Welcome to the Sports Squire Podcast, a platform engineered specifically for you to deliver content relative to the fields of training, performance, and rehabilitation. Challenge the status quo and raise your game through changing your mindset and your action. As you embark on your journey as a sports squire, subscribe to the show to get real-time updates to new episodes. Don't miss an opportunity to apply what you've learned today. Explore, engage, learn, implement, benefit. This is the way of the Sports Squire. Welcome to Sports Squire Radio. I'm your host, Brad Howell. I'm a former collegiate athlete, exercise enthusiast, and physical therapist in the realm of orthopedics and sports rehab over the last decade. Episode 30 is today, part two of John Wooden's Pyramid of Success and how it can apply to you. Last week, we had an opportunity to kind of have a conversation and dialogue around the timeline of John Wooden and the initiation of his coaching career and really dating the timeline of his time through his successful uh, Indiana High School State basketball championship runs at Martinsville High School all the way through his playing days at Purdue University where he was the 1932 National Player of the Year in the NCAA all the way up through his time you know, coaching high school basketball in Dayton, Kentucky, and then South Bend Central up in South Bend, Indiana, and then his time at Indiana Central, which would soon become Indiana State University, and then the rest is history as we know his uh, long tenure as the head coach at the University of California in Los Angeles, or known as UCLA, where he won 10 out of 12 national championships from 1963 to 1975. And What we talked about last episode was really the first two rows of the pyramid of success. We we spoke about uh, how he put together 15 personal characteristics that really he took 15 years to create and put together and and really solidify what an individual needs to do in order to build uh, success. And this was his personal philosophy that he used within coaching, within life. And a lot of the people that have been around him that he taught this to just really uh, benefited entirely from this once they moved on from playing basketball. And several of his uh, former collegiate players ended up becoming very successful uh, in business and and other ventures, um, humanity and other type of things like that. And uh, as we started out, the first two uh, parts of the pyramid, I want to go through those those blocks again. Very important to kind of understand those are the foundational pieces of uh, determining this pyramid of success and really something that we all should kind of keep in sight and in mind. And Wooden, you know, very simply and and I think strategically created these blocks that had very small uh, kind of descriptions to them because he wanted every individual to have some sort of an attention to them. Didn't necessarily have a ton of detail in every single one of those, but you know, every one was at least enough to, to say uh, that it needed to prompt you to think about that area of your life and how you can improve it. So moving left to right, bottom of the, of the pyramid, hard work, friendship, loyalty, cooperation, enthusiasm. Moving up to the second layer, self-control, alertness, initiative, and intentness. And then as we move to the third of five parts, five layers of the pyramid of success, we really get into what John Wooden calls the heart of the pyramid, which really entails condition, skill, and team spirit. And I think the thing that that's great about all of this, uh, about these three qualities, really, is 
there is a ton of differentiation that happens at this level. I think there is a lot of, um, you know, you know, insights that you can make on your own in regards to condition, skill, and team spirit. But essentially, the neat thing that Wooden did really about the heart of this uh, this pyramid was we talk about condition, skill, and um, and team spirit is that it really leads into the next layer, which leads into the ultimate layer of competitive greatness at the top, which we'll speak about lastly. But essentially, you know, I think the effort uh, put forward at this heart of that there's there's a choice that has to be made with condition um, and, and skill and team spirit. And as you get to the next layer, you know, when we talk about poise and confidence, I want to kind of tie in some things in, in regards to what I believe he was trying to to really help us all, you know, on our journeys to to become a little bit more successful by understanding that at the heart of this pyramid with these three things that they can really help you to continue to climb the ladder. And these three uh, pillars or blocks really help to hold up these next two, which end up holding up the final one, which is competitive greatness. And, uh, you know, what I also want to do is just talk about um, as well um, as we get through, you know, the rest of these personal characteristic blocks up to the, the last three layers of the pyramid which we'll speak about today, is also the, the 10 mortars, basically the, the glue pieces or the molded pieces at each layer that he speaks about. And uh, he, he speaks you know, very specifically and, and strategically about how these uh, specific terms and characteristics um, and brief descriptions can kind of help support the pyramid at each level. So we'll get into that as well. But starting off today with condition. So he says in his book, you must be in physical condition, but you must also have mental and moral condition. All three are components in the block of the pyramid because you can't have one without the others. Weak mental or moral condition precludes top physical condition. Some observers felt that our players had top physical condition. That was the only the part of it. They, they also had top mental and moral condition. I reminded them, the players, of their responsibility to achieve condition with this little rhyme. There's a choice you have to make in everything you do, so keep in mind that in the end, the choice you make makes you. If you make the right choices, you will achieve condition. So, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, he talks a lot about condition, not just being one of physical, um, you know, but it was one of moral character, one of mental condition, and, and I think that's something that a lot of us can kind of take away is that it's something that has to be mindfully done and proactively done on a regular basis. And whether that condition is, uh, you know, your physical condition, your mental condition, uh, emotional condition, it can be, can be anything that, that really you put priority to in your own personal journey. But, you know, I think that the biggest thing is, is that, you know, that, the condition precludes, you know, what's going to come next, you know, and when it comes to success and greatness, you have to earn it. And, uh, you know, what I always, uh, you know, kind of observed and, uh, really kind of learned through the fire in my days of, of playing college basketball was just, you know, essentially knowing that there was, there was a level of sacrifice and pain that had to happen in regards to being uncomfortable whenever, you got conditioned mentally and physically. And a lot of times they go hand in hand. 
And uh, I think a lot of times we can push ourselves physically to the point where it forces you to mentally kind of change how you approach things and how you perceive certain circumstances. And, you know, that's one thing that I am extremely grateful for is the discipline and kind of the galvanized process that happens whenever you have to pay for this physical conditioning process. And at the same time, uh, you know, conditioning is, is extremely important in basketball, but when you're playing at a high level, you know, it is only such a small portion of, uh, you know, the, the piece of the pie. And, and Bob Knight used to say all the time, mental is to physical as four is to one. And, you know, so as much as you may focus on your physical conditioning, you know, it's really the mental aspect of knowing all of the different parts and placements of where you're supposed to be on the floor, you know, being able to, you know, have ongoing monitoring of, you know, where, uh, you know, that the defense is at and where spacing is at and where opportunities lie within the court, you know, being prepared to, to get your feet set if you're a shooter, uh, you know, looking to block out when the shot goes up, you know, being able to have some level of kinesthetic feedback that allows you to, uh, you know, mentally kind of gain an edge, you know, from a competitive standpoint against the team that you're playing against. So highly important. And, uh, you know, I think when you go to that rhyme that he talks about, he says there's a chance you have to make in everything you do. So keep in mind that in the end, the choice you make makes you. So, you know, whenever you're deciding what and what you're not going to do, you just got to remember that whatever you're doing in mental, physical fashion, emotional fashion is, is essentially shaping you. It's conditioning your mind and your body, and that's going to really, you know, alter you. And my, my big, you know, just coaching moment would be just to, to coming out of that is just to, to really take that intentionally and to, to really speak and, and focus that positive outlook on everything that you do condition-wise, and I guarantee you'll see better alignment uh, with everything that, that Coach Wooden talks about. As we move to the next level, skill skill is one thing that, you know, I think in all things that we do, it, it obviously takes repetition. It takes time. I'm a uh, huge fan of uh, Malcolm Gladwell and, and his 10,000-hour principle in regards to becoming an expert. And essentially, when you think about, you know, working 40 hours a week, 52 weeks a year, Whatever, whatever it is that you do, whether it's athletics, whether it's your professional career, whether it's uh, being uh, a student, whether it's learning a language, whatever it may be, um, you know, his, his expert advice and a lot of the research points to that it takes essentially 10,000 hours in order to sharpen your saw and to become skillful in any one area and almost become an expert in that area. And uh, I find that extremely interesting because of the fact that you know, I think skill is something that, um, you know, a lot of times we focus on directly, but it, it a lot of times comes as a result of uh, a ton of perseverance and a ton of uh, really attention to a lot of the previous pillars that we've talked about within this pyramid of success. But Wooden writes, you know, in his, uh, in his Wooden on Leadership, at the very center of the pyramid of success is skill. You have to know your stuff, and that includes a mastery of details. This is true whether you're an athlete, a surgeon, or a CEO. You'd better be able to execute properly and quickly, and that requires skill. As much as I value experience, I value it, and I value it greatly. I'd rather have a lot of skill and less experience 
than that the other way around, than the other way around. Mastery of the skills you need in your job requires learning, and it is why leaders and those who are high achievers are lifelong learners. I had this motto tacked on my office wall for many years. It's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Skill is an ongoing and lifelong process. I, I absolutely uh, love that 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 quote by Wooden for a couple different personal reasons. One, you know, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. I had a uh, very good friend, my best friend, and uh, one of my best friends had several really good friends in physical therapy school when I graduated. Um, from the doctoral program in Indiana University uh, for physical therapy. And uh, Zach Gregory, you know, God rest your soul. I know he's looking down on all of us, uh, you know, from heaven. Had a tragic, uh, you know, heart attack and uh, and passed away a year after we graduated from physical therapy school. He was running in the uh, Chicago Marathon and um, had an undiagnosed enlarged heart and, uh, you know, just happened to to kind of you know, have a, a heart attack. But I mentioned that because, you know, he uh, was the, I don't know if, you, if we really kind of tagged a valedictorian in graduate school, but, you know, hands down, he was, you know, the number one in our class. And he was just one of a kind from an academic standpoint, but also one of a kind from just a, a personality standpoint, very social creature. And it's very rare in life that you find people that are very academic, but also have an ability to to reach out and, um, you know, have a, a sense of social intelligence about themselves. And Zach was that. And at, at our graduation, Zach read, um, essentially, you know, being a, a learner like Zach was, he read John Wooden's quote, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. And uh, I've had that quote up on every single office wall that I've ever uh, worked in. And uh, it, it's really driven me, number one, to, to, to remember Zach and to remember his drive for learning, but also, um, you know, inspires me to know that, you know, Coach Wooden, you know, essentially was a lifelong learner and was somebody that just continued to strive, um, not for perfection, but for ongoing learning. And there's a huge difference there. And, uh, you know, I think culturally, a lot of us can learn about shying away from perfection and, and really laser focusing on getting going and creating action and being okay with failure and learning. And, uh, you know, I think if I was to, to sit down with Wooden today, I would say that's why it took him so long to write this pyramid of success. I think one, you know, he needed more opportunities to fail and to have trial and error and, uh, and to be able to create this personal philosophy, uh, to, to roll out, but absolutely love this. So as we wrap up, that's the skill that is, that's the center Second tier of the third from the top pyramid is the heart of the pyramid, as we talked about. You know, skill is something, again, that includes a mastery, a mastery of details. You know, so when you're thinking about execution, you're thinking about automation, you're thinking about things that, uh, you know, become a little bit more, um, you know, reactive in a sense that you don't need to uh, you you know become resourceful and, and pull from different things in order to to gather information. That's the level of skill uh, that that he's essentially talking about. You know the skill of a surgeon. A lot of surgeons go through a lot of different fellowship training and uh, you know surgical training and for many years. And I would assume even you know as they're they're doing a great job within their work, they continue to sharpen that saw through continuing education and through talking with peers and. 
you know, going through skill set uh, training to help improve their skills. And nothing is different in any field that any of us work in or any of the athletes that are out there that are looking to sharpen their saw in regards to their sport, whether it's shooting a basketball, throwing a baseball, you know, swim stroke, whatever it is, that mastery um, essentially will will start and, and will uh, start to kick in. And, and I honestly think, you know, that it comes uh, out of those times of being disciplined and it does take that 10,000 hour principle to really get to that expert skill level. And that's something that I would encourage all of you to uh, to to look into is that Malcolm Gladwell and to really um, you know learn more about the ten thousand hour rule. Moving on to team spirit, this is a very important one. I think you know for a lot of us out there, um, you know whether or not you've got goals uh, that are in the forefront of your mind, those goals, in my opinion become very shallow and short-sighted when they don't include other people. And, uh, you know, it doesn't include, you know, essentially finding opportunities to, to build up other people along your journey. And I think that ultimately that's what team spirit to me is all about is, you know, having the opportunity to be able to influence others positively, being able to celebrate others uh, you know, above yourself more times than not, and that that is the the frequent and and ongoing focus is is the betterment of every single person around you and and yourself is is second or last. And uh, so as I read this, you know, it's something I want you to kind of think about is just from a team perspective, you know, how do you fit in? You know, what do you do to be flexible and accommodating and adaptable and reliable and dependable? Um, to me, you know, being dependable is one of the best and under-talked about uh, qualities that there is, you know, whether it's in the workforce or whether that's, you know, on a, a court or whatever that may be in a marriage, you know, being dependable is, is something that is extremely honorable and uh, is important. And I think that, you know, just auditing yourself and, and your team approach, I think, is a, a healthy thing to do as we kind of read through this. So Coach Wooden says this, the block of the pyramid of team spirit addresses a most important characteristic, selflessness, which is the opposite of selfishness. I mean this, that you are eager to sacrifice personal glory or gain for the greater good, namely the welfare and success of your organization, your team, your group. For me, it meant I was constantly searching for that player who would make our team great rather than a someone who was just a great player. There's a big difference, and that difference is what constitutes team spirit. I did not want a person on our team who was reluctant to sacrifice for the good of the team. I prized the individual who was eager to sacrifice for our common good. You know, and and I'm sure a lot of us can kind of think back to, you know, simply, let's just, let's make it a uh, a non, um, you know, real life situation for some of us that may be in the workforce. But, you know, let's, let's think back to our athletic days when, you probably knew several individuals that were extremely talented athletes or specific, uh, you know, gurus in certain sports that were just, uh, you know, on top of, of everything, but they just did not fit into that team chemistry and they didn't get along well with others. And, uh, you know, the sacrifice for the good of the team, you know, was never there. You know, I can off the top of my head think of a few handful of, of individuals growing up that, you know, I think, man, if they would have had it together, uh, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, mentally or, 
uh, you know, support wise, whatever factors were kind of shaking them off of their rails, you know, they could have been so much more. But, you know, I think that's the reality of life is that we all make choices. And, you know, essentially great teams are made because they're put together with an idea in mind that every single person on the team is going to collaborate and make each other better. And, you know, I think, and, and I honestly believe this, like every organization doesn't need a bunch of type A individuals. And an organization doesn't need a bunch of laid back type B individuals, but an organization needs a blend of both. And, you know, I think what happens, you know, when you have, uh, you know, hard pressing type A's and, and type B's, maybe even some hybrids that are out there that are willing to work together. I think what happens is you start to realize within a team that, hey, that high strung person can learn a lot from the person that's that's laid back. And that laid back person can learn a lot from the person that, you know, tends to be hard pressing and goal oriented. And, uh, and the hybrid is probably somebody we can learn more from uh, on both sides. So, you know, I think that's the, the, the great thing about the team concept is that, you know, we should have links on there that, you know, whether or not it doesn't matter if what their, what their title is or what their position is or, you know, even what their contributions are, you know, in regards to uh, comparison. But, you know, I think whatever we do, you know, whether it's in, in spirit or whether it's in, uh, in, in word or deed, I think it's extremely important that we find ways to lift others up first. Um, and, and it goes back to what I've talked about in previous episodes with one of the selfish, most selfish things that you can do is give out praise, give out encouragement, you know, put others first before yourself, figure out ways to uh, you know, serve others, you know, first and foremost throughout your days, which is extremely countercultural. Uh, I, I've just being in uh, the, the workforce now for, for quite a while, you know, I've just seen that this, that's not a natural thing. Everyone has their own agenda most days. And it's just really refreshing when you run across someone who is willing to put you in front of anything else that they have to accomplish for that day. And, you know, I think it's it's the boomerang effect of when I say that that's the most selfish thing that you can do because I think what ultimately ends up happening is that good things start to come back to you because I, I highly, highly believe, and I, I've seen this in my own life, I've, I've chose to be around very specific people the older I get. I've talked about, um, you know, in, in, in episodes previously that, you know, my circle has really uh, shortened, you know, over the, the last decade. And uh, it's not a negative thing. It's an extremely positive thing. And, uh, you know, what I have just uh, learned over time is that, you know, I'm going to attract what I put out there. And, uh, you know, whatever individuals I hang out with are going to be ones that are of high uh, moral, high character they they share very similar traits that I do, and uh, you know for those that that may not share those, but they're great people. I, my hope is if if they're around me long enough, I'm gonna rub off on them, and if they've got great characteristics, I'm gonna keep hanging out with them, and and they're gonna rub off on me. So the circle of influence is huge. Um, so for you coaches out there, though, I mean at your responsibility, uh, leaders, CEOs you know, the responsibility that you have on your shoulders is a great one because the personnel management is by far, 
probably one of the hardest jobs there is out there, but yet it's the most important. And if you just take time to get to know the individuals that are on your bench and that are on your team and, and how you can get them to work together, it's, it's huge. Um, and so, you know, I park on that team spirit because I just think that that is, uh, that is something that, you know, along the journey, obviously we talk about condition, skill, and then team spirit. You know, team spirit isn't something that we necessarily think about when we think about, um, you know, Michael Jordan, or we think about Kobe Bryant, or we think about LeBron James. We think about their skill. You know, we think about some of the things that we're going to talk about at the next level, poise and confidence. And, um, but at the same time, you know, I think we need to, to really start studying some of these individuals that are masters like John Wooden when it comes to, you know, putting teams together. So that completes the heart of the pyramid, condition, skill, and team spirit. As we move up to the next two, uh, we've got poise and we've got confidence. And, you know, in, in my opinion, I think, you know, poise is a great reminder. And I think Wooden does a really great job as I read this out. Of, uh, of just kind of identifying what he meant um, by defining what poise is. But um, what I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll, let, I'll read this out, let him kind of do the talking, and then I'll give a little bit of my own commentary uh, towards the end. So he writes, Just be yourself. Don't pretend to be what you are not. Don't get rattled, thrown off, or unbalanced, regardless of the circumstance or situations. Leaders with poise do not panic under pressure. Poise means holding fast to your principles and beliefs and acting in accordance with them regardless of how bad or good the situation may be. Know who you are and be true to yourself. Those with poise have a brave heart in all circumstances. Poise is a powerful gift you give yourself when you acquire the qualities of the pyramid and the supporting tiers beneath it. So again, you know, we talked about how really as you get to the heart of the pyramid, it's it's really... Uh, the, the qualities that are below that layer. So if, if you're looking, and, and this is a great exercise, I did this myself, I went through the pyramid and kind of, uh, you know, made little notes on, on areas where I think, you know, I need to, to work on or improve upon. And, and really, when you look at those areas uh, that, that I feel like, hey, I need to, to improve on that area, it's really probably the the second or third layer below that of some things that you really need to go back to and refine and really kind of, uh, you know, hammer into your character and get better repetition in order to get to that higher level. So it is more of kind of a, uh, a stacked method as he talks about. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, thinking about all of the active things that you do, you know, just being yourself, um, you know, not pretending to be what you're not, you know, I think, it's uh, it's something that, you know, it's it's easier for us to kind of sit and explain that, but it's it's harder for us to even do. You know, I think, you know, when pressure sets in and when expectations come in, and I think when there are certain individuals that are around us who carry themselves in a certain way or speak in a certain way um, that may, you know, be demeaning, it may be uh, kind of demonstrative language. It may be, uh, you know, type of language that, that, that cuts down instead of builds up. Um, a lot of us can be in those toxic environments. And, and for us, you know, I think that the, the first thing for all of us really is to identify like, why, you know, like, why do we tolerate that? You know, I think, um, 
there's either two options within any team or organization. Number one is, is be the change and be consistent and model for others. Uh, be resilient when it comes to, to that thought process or get the heck out of there. Um, because, you know, I think, you know, a lot of times in life, uh, I think we all think that we can, we can sometimes change and, and on a, on a, a team, it's a little bit different, right? I mean, on a team, if you've got a good leader with a good coach, um, you know, things aren't going to always go your way. You're not going to have things that, that, that are going to go your way all the time. That's just part of it. But if you're a leader, like you're helping that team through, through rain or shine, get through it all. Um, you know, in the, in the corporate business world, you know, obviously, um, that can sometimes be taken advantage of because I think some people tend to use their position to kind of leverage power as opposed to, you know, leveraging relationships and levering, leveraging behavior and collaboration. But, um, you know, I think not to oversimplify this, but asking yourself, like, are, what does it mean to be yourself? Do, do you even know that? You know, that's one of the things I, I read when I was reading this, it's like, just be yourself. I'm like, what, what does that mean? You know, can I tell somebody what that means to just be myself and not pretend to be, you know, what I'm not? And I think, you know, a, a word that goes with poise is contentment. And, uh, you know, contentment is, is a word that um, I think, you know, is, is not, it, it's a distant cousin of, uh, of complacency. Complacency is not contentment. Complacency is laziness, essentially, you know, not reaching p- potential. Contentment is knowing that you are okay with where you are at. It doesn't mean that you don't want to continue to grow. It means that you don't, you're not searching for more um, and more. And that's, that really can be a, a really awesome spiritual gift to have. So, to, to belabor this a little bit more, be yourself, you know, and, and, and even on a deeper level, figure out what the heck that means for you. And, uh, I hope that you go on that journey. Next one is confidence. I love this because confidence is something that's built up through hard work, through time, through struggle, through difficulty, through getting the door shut in your face, through failing, and, uh, and really through practicing because, you know, one of the things that I, lo- I love about sports and uh, one of the things I loved about, about basketball, I could say it of any sport, of baseball, you know, uh, of football, um, all the sports that I played in high school, uh, is that the repetition strengthens and confirms, you know, and, and in regards to building confidence, you know, you, if you want to build a skill set and uh, and really become great in life you have to earn confidence and um, you know it's, it's it's kind of ironic that you know I've got a six-year-old son who's going on seven he's taken a liking to playing basketball and uh, you know he's at an early age he's he's really kind of learned uh, maybe subliminal subliminally you know maybe uh, it's, it's a conviction from above. I don't know. Later in life, maybe we'll be able to tell. But, um, you know, we've read, you know, the Steph Curry children's books, LeBron James children's books, you know, before bedtime. And, um, you know, all of the, the stories of hard work and sacrifice that those two guys, you know, speak about from their childhoods. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, I always coach up to Miles, uh, my son, is essentially, you know, letting him know 
basketball specifically. Hey, buddy, if if you want to be able to go out in a game and be able to to make a great pass to to one of your players, you've got to be able to practice that pass first. If you want to go out and you want to stop the other team's best player, you've got to work on your footwork and you've got to work on your defensive slides and you've got to work on your hand placement and all of those things. And when you do that, you're going to become more confident. And if you want to go out there and you want to hit a basket and you want to be the go-to person on your team, that means that you have to be the person that's putting in the most shots you know, out here and you're you're getting through the rhythm and your repetition and you're understanding why you're doing certain things. And through that you build confidence. Through that you you don't hesitate when you get on the field. And and that's what taught me most about life um, and, and about just anything is that you've got to put the work in. And when the work is put in, then you start to build this confidence. And um, yeah, this is you know, Wooden speaks about this and, and confidence that there's a borderline there. You know, there, there's a lot of people out there that that probably know individuals that are narcissistic, uh, you know, that have egos. And I think confidence can quickly move to a negative trait if you allow it. Um, and, and there's there's some self-talk that needs to happen from time to time. But this is what Wooden has to say on confidence. There is no stronger steel than well-founded belief in yourself the knowledge that your preparation is fully complete and that you are ready for the competition. Confidence cannot be grafted on artificially. True abiding confidence is earned through tenaciously pursuing and attaining those assets that allow you to reach your own level of competency, that is, excellence. You must monitor confidence because it can easily turn into arrogance, which then can lead to the mistaken and destructive belief that previous achievement will be repeated without the same hard effort that brought it about in the first place. I love that. Absolutely love that. So it's essentially saying, great, whatever got you here is not going to get you there. And, uh, you know, I think we sometimes forget when you get to a level of success of all of the hard work and uh, and sacrifice and and all of those 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 you know, very detailed tasks that you do to kind of build up your confidence in the first place. And achievement can be a huge trick for some people because they believe that that achievement is something that is automatic. No, the process, if you're disciplined, can become automatic, which then can hopefully more predictably automate your success. But, but we're not we're not looking at uh you know turning our confidence into arrogance and and I think that that is something that you know as you look at you know some of these these individuals and Tom Brady comes to mind you know I watched the Super Bowl and um, you know th- there's something to admire about a guy that's still fired up about uh, you know getting getting in the face of someone like Ty- Tyron Matthew the Honey Badger and uh, you know I-, I was laughing about it all because I'm like this 43 year old guy is still like fired up. You know, but I think what was cool is uh, that a lot of people didn't hear about is he texted Matthew after the game and said, "Hey, man, I just want to apologize for how I handled myself on the field." You know, he he realized that he kind of took it too far, and um, you know, Matthew responded back with essentially saying that he's such a high class guy, Brady is, and he's just a fierce competitor. And um, you know, I think it, it's okay for sometimes for you to kind of get off your rocker, but I think that that example of Tom Brady uh, was a good one to know that, you know, you got to rein it in sometimes. Um, but essentially, you know, hard hard work, 
skill, all of the 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 uh, team spirit, all of those things have built up into this poise and confidence at these next two next two layers in the top part. And uh, you know, I think most importantly, you know, from a self talk standpoint. Um, you know, I think even from a, a higher end and higher calling, uh, you know, spiritually, you know, I think a lot of uh, everyone out there is probably on different journeys. But, you know, for me, you know, I I lean a lot, uh, you know, on on reading the Bible and, and, and kind of telling, listening to what it's telling me and, and, and really just trying to meditate on that and, and pray through that and, uh, you know, allow my confidence to come not just from my, my acts of, of goodwill, but essentially from, you know, my heavenly father, who's, who is, uh, you know, ultimately blessed me and gifted me with, you know, several talents and, and skills and, uh, and convictions that can help serve his purpose. And so, you know, I think that that is a a great segue, you know, as we, as we really talk about the next tier, which is competitive greatness. And, um, you know, over the top of competitive greatness, wouldn't strategically places uh, faith over the top of that. And, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, know John Wooden, you know, very strong Christian man who, uh, you know, had a strong faith. And, you know, I think a lot of the principles and discipline and uh, the way he carried himself really mirrored, you know, what he stood for from a uh, from a Christian perspective. And, you know, I think, you know, when you look at, uh, the competitive grit, greatness as well. You know, one of the things that I think that he did a really good job of was was really laying out how, you know, it's not about winning or losing, um, and and how it's essentially about giving absolutely your best when your best is required. And what he states in in his his book is exactly that. This is what he says: competitive greatness is having a real love for the hard battle knowing it offers the opportunity to be at your best when your best is required. The great competitors I have played for and against, taught and admired, all shared a joy in the struggle itself, the journey, the contest, and competition. The tougher the battle, the better. A leader must convey this to those you lead. A tough fight can bring forth competitive greatness. The hard battle inspires and motivates a great competitor to dig deep inside. That's why I relish the challenge a worthy competitor presents. You are tested. When properly prepared, you will rise to your highest level and achieve competitive greatness. Absolutely love that. And, uh, you know, in preparation for this this series, I was reading a lot of different articles from stories of former UCLA players that played for Wooden. And, um, you know, there was a story that was talking about, uh, you know, a guy that said that it was no fun to, to beat a team by 50 points. You know, no one wants that. That's not the goal for anyone, and really being a competitor is you want to compete against the absolute best players in the world at any given time because that struggle and that difficulty brings out something that's different and new in you, and I think that's essentially really what this is all about, and um, you know, I, I've got my uh, my good friend, you know, Jake Reynolds, who's the president of the New Jersey Devils, and um, you know, I sat in when he was the chief revenue officer of the Philadelphia 76ers a couple of years ago. I sat in on one of his sales meetings and had an opportunity to kind of listen to him coaching up young sales members and essentially telling them three things that he wanted them to to to, to try to grow into. And, you know, whether you believe this or not, like I think some people kind of have 
they kind of have it. Some people can be trained with this, but I think uh, previous experience and, and a gumption at a certain level in life, like it has to come innately for some people. You can't necessarily change this in some people, but the three C's were being curious, coachable, and competitive. And a, ser- a serious, essentially, when you're looking at those three, um, you know, you're always learning when you're curious. You know, you're a lifelong learning, which is exactly what this pyramid represents, ongoing learning, ongoing reflection, um, you know, being coachable. You know, there's going to be things that you do not see in yourself that others may be able to mirror and be able to reflect and, and show you um, areas where you can mature. And, you know, that's what I love about, uh, you know, coaching reflections and and really having, uh, you know, good friends and mentors and colleagues that can help you along your journey and uh, and give you feedback and, and dialogue and coaching around certain areas of your life that you can get better at. Um, but then essentially that competitiveness, and it's just having that love of, uh, of competing from the perspective of growth. It's not for the, the perspective of winning. And I think Wooden made that very clearly uh, known to his players, and his players all knew that you know he essentially was not striving for winning. And uh, you know, there's an article that kind of speaks about John Wooden and, and kind of what he meant by that. And I found this article on entrepreneur.com and Wooden adds that the strongest part of the pyramid and his coaching experience is the very heart of it. Condition, skill, and team spirit. I've always had very well-conditioned teams. For my drills, I didn't do them by running a lot, just by creating drills that were competitive and consistent day after day, Wooden says. It's those very drills and practices that Wooden finds himself missing the most since retiring from UCLA in 1975. I haven't missed the games. I haven't missed the tournaments, he says. I've missed the daily practices because that's where you got to know your players and got the chance to establish rapport that you hoped would be lasting. So I think that that's just a, an unbelievable, um, you know, just testament to, you know, what we all should strive for is essentially, you know, finding ways to enjoy the process and enjoy uh, the opportunity that is presented to, to all of us in, in regards to, um, you know, becoming leaders and becoming, you know, people and individuals that um, can help others, you know, f- achieve their own level of success. And, um, you know, I, I uh, again, you know, I'm sure this was uh, was represented to my pastor, you know, in a certain way, but I was in a small group with him who, you know, I really, uh, you know, look up to him from a, uh, from a leadership perspective. And, you know, one of the things that he always you know, preached in our group was, you know, you can only lead someone else as far as you're willing to lead yourself. And, um, you know, I think the beauty behind this pyramid of success is that, you know, it is not something that is an overnight success. This is something that, you know, is very detailed, has over 25 parts to it that um, really are going to help you to better mature into a more well-rounded individual and, uh, you know, I think it will help you to define success differently than the world defines success. And, uh, you know, I think it's a good reminder for all of us to be able to kind of slow down during these times and, and just take the advice of Wooden and and really use those, uh, you know, to our advantage and, and be able to reflect. One of the last things I want to kind of speak about, you know, he, he put together the mortar, which is essentially 
you know, the the gluing pieces of gluing part, molding part of the pyramid in regards to uh, keeping it together. And to the left and the right of the pyramid of success, there's essentially 10 additional blocks. So Coach Wooden called that the mortar. The left is referred to as the force of the human spirit, and then the right is referred to as the strength of the human character. At the pinnacle, there's faith through prayer, and then patience. Good things take time. So when you look at competitive greatness on that pyramid, faith and patience are kind of hovering over the top of that. Um, so, you know, we talk about being your best when your best is required. And uh, really, it is a spiritual thing that happens. You know, in order to be at your best, there has to be a, uh, a faith, you know, that and a belief that you are going to uh, you know, do great things and also patience, you know, and, and knowing that good things take time. Um, the force of the human spirit. So as you look at the side uh, and, and left of the pyramid, you've got ambition, which he talks about is for noble goals, adaptability to any situation, resourcefulness, having proper judgment, and then fight, which is a determined effort. So those forces of the human spirit, spirit, ambition, adaptability, resourcefulness, and fight. The strength of human character on the right, you've got sincerity, keeps friends is the description, honesty, and the description is in thoughts and action, reliability, which creates respect, integrity, which is purity of intention. So in total, as we look at all of the entire parts of the pyramid of success. If we talk through part one, the bottom two, nine characteristics uh, of the, the pyramid, and then as we've talked today about the additional six, and then those 10 uh, mortars that we just we just spoke about, altogether there's 25 proven behaviors that produce what John Wooden calls true success. And, uh, you know, I know this was, uh, you know, maybe a lot for, for some of us to kind of take in, if any of you have not read uh, his uh, books on leadership, whether it's the Pyramid of Success uh, that he wrote or Wooden on Leadership, any of his other books, if you go to coachwooden.com, it's the official uh, website of John Wooden. He's got you know a ton of uh, you know essentially descriptors that kind of go through the pyramid. He's got uh, you know books that are on there that you can you can purchase, um, and I highly encourage you to to really dig in and reflect on all the different parts of the pyramid to help you gain an edge and to really help you develop into, you know, the, the individual and leader that you want to. And, um, you know, just a, a kind of a, a finalized, you know, thought for everyone that's out there. You know, I think, you know, what I took away, you know, going through this process uh, for preparation for both segments and, you know, talking through each layer and, having the opportunity to kind of just process each uh, step of this pyramid is just essentially, you know, knowing and, and, and appreciating that we're all ever evolving and that we're all, um, you know, continuing to progress and to get better with age. And that's really what should be happening. You know, the older we get, the more refined we get. And, um, you know, that, that's what my challenge for myself is, is to really look at, um, you know, ways that I can continue to, you know, increase every single aspect of my life to, to just serve others. Um, but at the same time, you know, put the effort 
into to making sure that um, you know I'm doing things with enthusiasm. And uh, you know, I, I just uh, I pray for every single one of you out there. You know that you found this helpful and that you you can apply some of this. And, and I just challenge you to read some of Wooden's leadership books. Truly reflect on your strengths and and weaknesses when identifying the different areas of this pyramid of success. And uh, I'll leave you with that for this week. So I hope you guys all have a great rest of the week. Really looking forward to some great conversations as we push forward on the Sports Squire platform. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Sports Squire podcast. Check out the show notes for anything you missed during today's episode. Click subscribe if you haven't already to ensure you get updates on the latest Sports Squire episodes. And remember, as a Sports Squire, your greatest self is found at the intersection of knowledge and action. Don't be normal, be a Sports Squire.